piece on the wide. Hi, let's do this. What's up, guys? Thank you for tuning in. This episode, I'm going to be talking with David Ray. He's the COO of Coolie Coolie Foods. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show if you like it. Give it a rating. Give it a review. Also, hit me up on the Instagram at Josh Chingas. Ask me any questions. Uh, shoot me a comment of what you want me to ask these people that I'm going to be interviewing. So, I hope that you guys enjoy this interview. Are right, David, you ready to rock and roll? I am. Let's do this. All right, David, so just quickly introduce yourself here so I know who you are and what you do, some of your hobbies, and then we can go from there. Sure. My full name is Ernesto David Ray. Um, I live here in the Bay Area. I work for a food company. Uh, in terms of hobbies, anything from working out, going out, traveling, enjoy traveling, headed out on a trip on Monday, so going to go to Yucatan Peninsula. Oh, wow. Uh, Besides that, a little bit of working <laughs> out and trying to de-stress. Yeah, of course. So that trip to to uh, Yucatan Peninsula is that? Did I just say that right? Yucatan, yeah. Is that with family, work? Is that just something that you want to do? What What's up with that trip? Getting away from it all, going to a little <laughs> island off the coast of Yucatan Peninsula. Uh, I was gonna do a little bit of work and business. I was going to meet a supplier, but turns out he's going to be away during my visit. Uh, so it's just oh, going to wow. be all vacation, which is nice. <laughs> there we go. All right, David. So on the show as well, I'd just like to get it kicked off with a random question so that it's light and fun. The question that I have for you, David, is uh, what is your favorite thing to do in your downtime? How did that become your favorite thing to do? Downtime? It ranges. It depends. But uh, for the most part, I enjoy working out. It's turned into like a meditation Oh, so, you know, just hitting the gym, going running, something like that. Uh, other than that, I think the only other downtime, I, I don't even know if this is an activity. I like wine tasting. Oh, my, no way. <laughs> my ultimate plan and goal is to open up a little wine bar once sort of I wind down my, my career is just to do a little bit of a wine bar. <laughs> so drinking, I guess, work out. Is a, <laughs> that sounds like. <laughs> That's um, life right there. David, so when that began, when the wine tasting, just really quick here. What was yeah. that initial, like, how did you know that, that you liked that in the very beginning? Was it, you tasted oh, some I wine? Remember. Yeah, I remember you know. the day. I was at the Bellagio in Vegas. I can tell you exactly. I think I was about 22. <laughs> and I did not want to drink any of the hard liquor. And I was like, oh, let me see what this wine thing is about. And yeah, asked them, hey, can you recommend something? And she brought something. I'm like, oh, I, I can see now why people enjoy wine. It actually takes, <laughs> you know what you're ordering and you're not going for the sort of over fruity or dry or whatever and yeah. i was like oh wow this is good <laughs> that love them so david to to get things kicked off here you work for coolie coolie foods right now where you do is it marketing for them or are you the director of operations the operations yeah i forgot so with that and then i also know that you've done multiple things for other companies uh, i've mm -hmm. seen that in the bio of coolie coolie foods where you help these companies do great things with all that, David, can you just take us back to the origins of kind of where all that began? How did you initially, not when you decided to become director of operations for, for any of these companies or doing what you've done, but how, when you knew that you wanted to work for these companies and help them out, where did that begin? Did you talk to someone in the beginning to get this this role of you know a, C, a COO somewhere, and then you worked your way up from there up the ladder? How did this all start? What things were you doing to progress yeah. in your journey to do what you've done yeah i actually i was sort of a and this is the part i was a jack of all trades i've had every oh. single job that you can imagine i i if i were to write out a, a list of resume of all of my jobs it'd probably be in the 50s like 40 or 50 jobs 
When I was around 32, I decided I would go back to school. It was during the downturn in the economy in 2008. And I had just been switching jobs and, and doing whatever I liked. And I was doing okay at it. You know, manager here, work for Louis Vuitton. I worked for Pete's. I worked for Starbucks. I worked, I managed a gymnastics facility. I mean, you name it, I did it. And then at some point I decided, you know, I should really just get a career as opposed to just jobs. And I <laughs> went back from my master's and was, you know, I was going to do an MBA and I had to pick a, a focus. And out of all of the areas, it was finance, marketing, uh, general management, uh, accounting, and supply chain. And I thought, well, supply chain actually sounds pretty interesting. And I stuck with it. And, you know, I got an internship uh, the summer. It was great. They offered me a job right after that. So a year before I graduated, I already had a job offer. Um, I didn't take it. I wound up working uh, at Kraft Foods in Chicago uh, in mm. the supply chain department. And then I moved over to Ghirardelli as a contract manufacturer, project manager, and a supply chain analyst. And that sort of started oh. everything. Mm. And I just went from there. So it looks like you do have skills in, in the area. Did that MBA help you or is it more working these jobs that really helped you grow these businesses? What was it initially do you think that helped you help these companies the best? Uh, working the jobs progressing in the responsibility and sort of mm -hmm. the knowledge the the schooling helped with the connections and helped you sort of get established because I did a career change. So I went from all types of careers to really focusing on something. So doing the graduate work really helped sort of do a 180 going from one yeah. direction to another that and that was sort of needed because I wouldn't be able to just jump into supply chain. Mm -hmm. But it did provide the basis and some of the broad knowledge that you would need about supply chain, sourcing, uh, logistics, things like that. Hmm. So David, to take it back to when you said for, for about 10 years, you were working just these different jobs and mm -hmm. you were bouncing around from place to place in that time. Did you know that you wanted to do something bigger? Were you always wanting to do something bigger with yourself, with your family or just your personal goals there? How, did you manage to kind of move towards that obviously with the MBA, but what were you thinking? How, what were your emotions back then and how you would tackle that in the future in the present? When were you going to make that jump? Talk about that period in your life. Yeah, actually, actually you bring that up. But the funny part is with my, uh, with my now husband, uh, when we first met 12 years ago, he said, what do you want to do? And I said, um, I want to be director of operations, not knowing what that was. Yeah. Not knowing anything in particular. And he reminded me a while back and said, I remember you told me this 12 years ago before you even pursued this and sort of had someone there to sort of motivate and, and push you and, and, and challenge you a bit. And then I, I went back to school, you know, got GMAT trained to take the GMAT and, and just did a lot of pre-work before I went uh, into the graduate program. It took about two years prior to going in and then doing that. But I did have that in my mind when, when you think about it. it, it was something that was in the back of my mind, but decided at some point I should take the plunge and, and go back to school. Mm. Was there, was there one moment where you were like, here's, here's when I'm going to take that plunge. How hard was that for you? Was it easy to per se, because it took so long in, in your case, or how did you eventually make that jump? Was it a really long day where you were talking with yourself, you had to go on a drive? Well, to describe uh, like that moment for us. Yeah, I have another significant moment that sort of <laughs> set that in motion. 
Uh, I was working at Pete's Coffee as an assistant manager. and I remember a gentleman would come in and he was a published uh, author and he was on Oprah and he wow. would always come in and we'd chat. And uh, at the time I was 32 and he said, hey, you know, if you don't do it by the, the time you reach 40, you're pretty much not going to do it because you're going to pretty much, you're going to be settled in your ways. Yeah. It's going to be more difficult and challenging, especially if you have a family. And it sort of stuck with me and I sort of got a little fire under my belly at that point that said, if I don't move or do something, I can see myself sort of getting stuck in a rut and not going beyond this level or where I'm at right now. And it did stick. And I I think the combination of hearing that and, you know, it's now what, 14 years later since I've heard that. And I remember it very clearly. And then it sort of prompted me to do that. The downturn helped because I I thought nothing's going to happen during this downturn. Everyone's losing their yeah. job. No one's moving. The best place for me to go is back to school. Mm. So we did that. So David, to make it applicable for people that might be listening, when you did make that jump, was describe your mentality afterward when you were pursuing that. Were you freaking out? Did you know that this was, this was the right thing to do? Did you have any regrets about making that jump? Talk about how, if someone were to say, "I've got to just, I've got to do this. I've got to make that jump." How can they best mitigate their mindset if it's going against them in the first two to three months? Because you've gone through and now at this stage, you've done what you've done. How did you keep pushing through in a way? Because first of all, describe if you did have those doubts in the beginning when you said, I don't know if this is it. I don't know if I can go back to school and I could still maybe get the the, the roles as a COO without the school route. Describe how you kind of attacked that internal person that's speaking yeah. to you. You know what I mean? How can you make, make that applicable for someone that has that in their head, pursuing their dreams? What did you do? If so, you know, describe describe that stuff for us if you have anything there. I think that asking this question to David was really applicable in this situation because it sounded like it had been a long time coming for him to get in the role as a COO. And so... In my, in my mentality, being in the game of winning in your goals, fulfilling the things that you want to fulfill, is just staying that course for as long as you can and even forever. And it sounds like David had been working towards that, had been thinking about that for 10 plus years. So I feel like asking this question to him would be applicable to you guys because he would have good things to to offer knowing that he had been through the long road he had he had to be patient he had to really understand his circumstances so i feel like that's exactly why i wanted to really understand where he was at mentally to fulfill the things that he wanted to yeah i think previously i would i was the type of person that would go from the point that i'm at trying to go forward and then trying to find a destination as opposed to picking the destination and then figuring out the route to get there Mm. So the, so the difference is that if you, if you are not scared to plan ahead and you pick your, your sort of goal or endpoint and say, what I want to do is graduate with an MBA or become a director in operations, you sort of back plan from that point the other way versus what I think I tended to do as a, when I was younger was, okay, this is where I'm at. How do I go forward? But, and then you sort of get lost along the way and, and you can be easily distracted or, or redirected in some other route based on you know whatever what circumstances come yeah. up or yeah so if you sort of i did it the other way i said okay this is what i want to do this is what i want to become or this is 
where I see myself. And then you sort of go backwards and plan. So hmm. yeah, and, and at times it was challenging. I, I was not good at taking the GMAT. It took a long <laughs> time to actually get better at it. it took three attempts. Um, you know, it was like, I think two years prior to getting into an MBA program that I just had to go back and take additional classes, do calculus, hmm. do some remedial math, do a couple of uh, GMAT courses. So it, it was a process, but you just sort of break it down into little chunks and yeah. do that part one day at a time, but keep your goal way, way out in front Yeah, I like of you. that. I think breaking down into little chunks makes it more digestible so you're not overwhelmed every day, you know what I mean? Because big goals, people with big goals, trying to take that in one day is not possible. So I, I understand what, what you're saying. I think it's really applicable. So, David, because of what you've done for these multiple companies and what you're doing for Cooley Cooley Foods, I want to ask what kind of mindsets do these people need to have if they want to do something like you are doing is there anything that you'd say to them that there is there grit in this is there perseverance creativity what kind of personalities and mindsets do you think are best for a role someone that wants to be a coo or a cfo or a cmo for multiple companies helping these companies out do the best they can is there anything that those people need to be doing mentally or daily to just sharpen their minds sharpen their whatever they do with with these companies how they help them out the best what do you tell those people to to practice day to day uh you know right now it's it's pretty interesting because being in this role and having people that i've hired that uh were at the place i was 10 years ago when i started supply chain uh and when i started you know working really intensely in some of these projects and operations a lot of it is um, you have to think outside the box. Um, you know, this isn't accounting where the same type of transactions happen on a routine basis and you close out the month. And, you know, what yeah. you did the previous month, you're going to do this month in operations and supply chain. There are always issues that come up that seem insurmountable, whether mm -hmm. a producer can't produce what you need them to produce because they've had a their line has gone down. Uh, your raw material doesn't come in on time. There's a quality issue with your raw material. So often things that can't be predicted, you try to mitigate all of these things because you'll have <laughs> backup systems, but it just, so a lot of it is adaptability, being able to yeah. think like how many, how many different levers can I pull? How many different options could I do? You know, <laughs> so often it's what is the best decision for the lowest cost that I can make right now, given my set of circumstances. Hmm. So it really is being able to not get, not get bogged down in the problem, but get excited about the solution and how can we move this forward. Hmm. That's good. So David, it sounds like you do know what your goals are. You you were always goal-oriented with becoming this person that helps people in the roles of, of COO, doing things for these companies. So for someone that doesn't know exactly in your in your opinion, just give your opinion here. This is kind of a broad question here, but I just want to hear what you have to say. So the people like yourself who know more what they want to do uh, as they you know run their life, they run you know run, having these jobs, doing things on the side like a blog or something like that. Whatever they're just trying to figure it out. So the people that know what they're doing versus the people that are a little bit more foggy on they don't know if it's the right thing for them. Don't know if doing that is the right thing for them how do you tell that person either or the person that's focused laser focused, or the person that's more foggy what would you tell those people to do to make sure that they're getting to what makes them happy in the end is there one you know piece of wisdom that you have doing the things that you've done and and working towards the things you have 
Yeah, I think some of the obvious things, and I haven't done this as much, um, but, you know, getting a mentor, finding someone that has done some of these things previously mm. is what I always hear and what people tell me. And, I, and I'm, I'm actually, I'm pretty bad at this part. I've tried, I'm trying to become better at finding <laughs> mentors and people, but that is usually a, a very solid piece of advice. How do you do this? But at the same time, you actually don't know if you're going to like this particular job or career path until you do it. And I would say to anyone that is interested is, you know what, just go for it. Because if you start off young, you have plenty of time to redirect your career if you want to. So even if you start off for the first, you know, let's just say you're in your 20s and you decide I'm going to study uh, operations or supply chain. And you do it for a couple of years and you figure out, you know, I don't like it. I really much more enjoy marketing or sales because it's more people oriented. You have enough time to, to make those changes and those leaps. But what you don't have time is like letting years pass by without doing anything. Yeah. That's, exactly. I think that you can't overcome that, but you can redirect your career and you have a lot of experience under your belt after that to, to, to be able to maneuver, but not mm. picking something I think is probably the more, the so more detrimental true. part. hundred percent. I believe that hundred percent, David. So because mentality is so important and, and for you, we want to dive deep into how you think about, what you do, how you how you get to your goals, of course. Is there a way that you sharpen your mind every day? Is it working now? Does that help you really get in the mood of things and get and be productive? What do you think is the most broad, best way for people to to really make sure their mind is is sharp? Give us a couple there of what you do and then what you think is best for the people. Uh, if you're referring to in terms of career or I would say day-to-day work-wise, what I try to stick to is a good old-fashioned list of things to do and what I have to knock out. Often when I don't do that, I get derailed and Mm. I don't stick to my guns or I don't tackle the problems in a sequential order. So usually on a Monday, I have a calendar invite to myself that lists the things I want to accomplish in that week Mm. going through the week. And what it does is I Often I, because there's so many fires that you have to put out, you have to kind of go back and say, okay, what, what was I planning on finishing this week? Did I do it in the midst of everything going on? Um, that's what I sort of do. Keep me in track in terms of like mental gymnastics to try to keep everything fit and, and things like that. I, you know, right now with the way work is, uh, it is pretty challenging work that I think that keeps me sort of in the game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that kind of keeps me in the game and there's always plenty of things to sort of, uh, you know, yeah. flex your mind muscle. Yeah, that balance is definitely hard for people. But I think that designating at least some time, you know, once in the week, once every two weeks, if, as long as there's just time to really understand yourself and what makes you tick is definitely something that can help you out in the end. So, David, do you feel like you personally have made it or no? Not quite yet. What would make you feel <laughs> that way? <laughs> I feel like I asked this question because I wanted to see whether or not David would say that there isn't really a point where you made it or if he actually had a point in time where he would make it. I feel like that kind of separates a lot of people and really opens up a different vantage point, I guess you could call it, for differently in a way so i kind of just wanted to see what he would say and then 
how he would go about answering this question. I think it's pretty interesting. I think if what would make me feel that way? I think if if with the current company, I think if we got it to the point where we grew it by, I think we're trying to grow it to, let's say about a thousand percent. I mean, we're growing pretty rapidly, but if we got to a scale that we wanted to see the company, and it doesn't even mean like selling the company or or, or doing that other part of it that every startup wants to, you know, get to every, but right now it's just really getting to the company where it, it goes beyond this smaller level into a much bigger one where we move out of this yeah. office where we're, where I have a, uh, you know, I have a team right now, but sort of a bigger team with a bigger footprint, things like that. I guess I would feel like I made it once I got there, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think if you're ambitious, you feel almost like you kind of never get there, which is good. Yeah. It, it, it keeps you motivated. 100%. That's what I've noticed with a lot of people that I've started to, to talk to. It's like they don't ever feel that way because once they do per se, it's in the next month they're not satisfied with where they're at because they're stagnant and they're used to moving so much or whatever it might be i just know that it's always in their mentality to move and so i feel like that's where that comes from so david in your words what is mm -hmm. what is success to you in like a sentence or two i think success for me is being happy uh financially stable stable being able to provide for family and just having a lot of friends and family around uh, you know work wise always even you know work still comes second even though it's a priority in your life it, you know success is everything around it you know and i think work yeah. allows you to have some of those things that that you want and more family time and you know all yeah. those other things I, that, that wasn't two sentences but i think you get the gist no yeah that was the gist of that was definitely the gist so david Another kind of a, a doozy to that question is where did that come from? Do you know where that may have originated from, that mentality? Like, was it when you understood family was important to you, when you understood that a family is, 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 is important to yourself? Where did that originally come from? How did you how do you think that you got that mentality you have now of what you just uh, described? Yeah, I mean, I, I come from a small family. Uh, we immigrated here in 1978 very hardworking immigrant family. My father was a construction worker all his life and he always had two jobs and we were always very close knit and still are. So I think that's what they instilled. We sort of, I always take care mm -hmm. of my brother and my sister and, and my family and so on. Uh, so that sense of family has always been there. And then a very hard work ethic. I mean, yeah, you know, my father expected us to work and contribute to the household and help. You know, that's why we migrated over here. So it's one of the, I think that's where I get that from. Yeah, for sure. So David, what's to you, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned from the journey that you have taken with pursuing your goals, pursuing your passions, pursuing the, the stuff that you've done? What is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned and, and tell us that story for us. Recently is it's the change is having confidence in your, dis, your decision-making ability. I mm. think uh, often you feel that, there's and there is there's always a smarter person in the room but at some <laughs> point you are the, at some point you are the smart person in the room and yeah. you send a lot of times it half the battle is learning what you've learned and the other part is having confidence in what you've learned and it's applicable and you can do the job and you can do it well you can you know it's funny being on this side of it now when we sit <laughs> when we sit in board meetings 
and you listen to all the board members talk about what's going on in the company and then they sort of look at you and, and are expecting an answer about what's going on yeah. and you, think you might get grilled on it but and then you you sort of listen you find out oh they don't know more than i do about this particular subject or mm -hmm. they don't know more than i do about what's going on in the company i'm sort of the subject matter expert now in operations or in supply chain and they're looking to me for the answers versus what you always think in your head that you know someone else always has yeah. the answers the switch yeah. and i think it's part knowing and part you know having the confidence to to sort of move forward with that mm. and go go you know go for it true so david one of the last questions i have here for you is when someone's done listening to this episode, what can you tell them to do if someone's wanting to really just pursue their goals, get to something that they want to get to? What do you tell them to do right after they get out of the chair? So is that read a book, talk to someone, find out if there's internships? What is that one thing that you'd recommend that person to do if they're looking to get their goals kicked off, whatever it might be? What do you think that that, that first step is after they get out of the chair leave the room, what is that first thing? You know, the funny thing is, is go tell whoever is in your life that you're going to do this. And the weird part about hmm. admitting to yourself and to someone else and voicing it publicly, it almost makes you accountable to this dream or yes. thing. Uh, it's it's easy to to sort of be silent about it and hope that it happens or not let anyone know because you're afraid of failing. But the minute you start to tell everyone, hey, I, you know what my goal is, my dream is to do this, people might say, hey, I thought you were pursuing this and you start to feel a little bit bad or you yeah. kind of feel like on edge. But I'm like, you know, if you're gonna leave and say, hey, you know what, call your best friend and say, I'm going to pursue this, I'm going to do this. Are you gonna, mm -hmm. hey, are you gonna support me? Because sometimes, you 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 want to be held accountable to something and some people will do that. <laughs> they care about you they'll they'll say That's hey so true. <laughs> everything else can be done in silence or in secret and no one will ever know that you failed but i think i think people sometimes are afraid of failure so they don't go for it yeah so i i mean that's the easiest thing after that there's a whole lot of work to do but yeah. that would probably be the easiest thing honestly accountability these days is definitely harder to come by you know people aren't wanting to be more accountable but if they give you a reason to be accountable i feel like what you said is played out perfectly because someone will hold you or someone else accountable 100 percent of the time if they see something that goes against what they said so i really do think that there's a lot more applicability to to that than than a lot of people would think so david that ends uh, our time here if you want to just give any links to yourself where we can find you to ask any questions that we might want to ask and then we can say goodbye yeah, um, you can just find me on LinkedIn. I think the uh, full name is Ernesto David Ray. You can find me there. If anyone has questions about operations or supply chain or is uh, just on their way to starting a food company uh, and, you know, there's there's a lot of pitfalls or a lot of things to look out for, mm. I'd be happy to provide some assistance, help or advice. Uh, but feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Sweet. Guys, that's a great resource. So I definitely recommend to check that out. David, I just want to thank you for, for coming out, sharing your experiences, and I can't thank you enough, but thank you again for coming out. Thank you, Josh. Special and present of the fighters. Hey, guys, thanks again for tuning in to the show. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review so we can keep growing and interviewing bigger and better people. Again, I want to remind you to... 
go hit up my Instagram at Josh Chingus if you have any questions or comments or things that you would want me to ask the people that I'm going to be interviewing for you guys. I'd love to do that for you. But I will catch you guys on the next episode. Race on the wide.